Marsh family. Man, isn't it great to be among family this morning? Welcome to WFR Mission Sunday. This is one of our favorite Sundays of the year. Uh, if you've noticed, we've been on our World Changer series. You can see our shirts. World Changer, I, of course, went with the XL. Trent with, went with the Child Small. So we were running out. So, I mean, that, it looks good. It does. Um, it looks good. Admit. Let me tell you, you look good in maroon this morning, <laughs> yeah, Trent. Uh, but we're, we're just uh, thrilled at what this church uh, has been, how, how this church has been used by God. Uh, for over half a century, this church has been a mission-minded church. Amen. This community of believers right here has been able to impact the world uh, just through surrender. You know, 55 years ago, great men like Bill Smith, Alton Howard, Leon Telford, Carl Allison, they had a vision. And their vision was to change the world. Their vision was based on the Great Commission to make disciples. They wanted to get the gospel out to the whole world in every nation and in every language. So our ministry, World Radio, has been doing just that. And World Radio is as strong as it's ever been. We're in over 80 nations, even more languages, and uh, changing hearts and minds all over the world to know two things. One, who is God? And who they are to God. And that's so important. And once you know who you are in the kingdom, then you're empowered to make a true difference around the world. Not only that, our relief efforts, our disaster relief efforts dating back to 1980 when there was a famine in Poland and another famine in Ghana the next year, all the way to our most recent efforts in North Carolina from Hurricane Florence and, and right now in Indonesia with the tsunami. This church right here has made an eternal impact on lives all across the world from right here in West Monroe, Louisiana. So we're here to celebrate that today. Amen. 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 So as we continue our World Changer series, our text today is Acts 17. So turn with me to Acts 17. And I'm going to read there verses 1 through 7. Now when they had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from scriptures, explaining and proving that it was necessary for the Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead and saying, this Jesus, whom I proclaim to you, is the Christ. And some of them were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a great many of the devout Greeks and not a few of the, of the leading women. But the Jews were jealous and taking some wicked men of the rabble, they formed a mob, set the city in an uproar and attacked the house of Jason, seeking to bring them out of the crowd. And when they could not find them, they dragged Jason and some of the brothers before the city authorities, shouting, These men who have turned the world upside down have come here also. And Jason has received them, and they are all acting against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, Jesus. These disciples literally turned the world upside down. Peter... Paul, Jason, and others would be called disturbers of the peace if they were alive today. These guys couldn't help but go somewhere and transform the platical discipleship of Paul, of Peter, of Jason, of the other early church fathers. These guys were radically committed to the message of the gospel. And this is exactly what Jesus said would happen in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 34. Jesus says, don't suppose I came to the world to bring peace. 
In other words, WFR Church, don't suppose you sit here today under the leadership and lordship of Jesus and Him saying that's going to make your life easy, that's going to make you comfortable, that's going to make you popular among co-workers and a favorite among your neighbors. Jesus didn't come to bring peace. Matthew 10.34 says He came to bring a sword. That means there's going to be some unrest when people radically live as disciples of Jesus. And when they do... They change the world. Literally, the world turns, everybody say it with me, upside down. They turn the world upside down. And that's my challenge to you today. I, I want to talk a little bit about each of those points. We divided the, wor- the word upside down into three ideas, up and side and down. So the first thing we see in this text, I'm going to preach to you a little bit, and then I'm going to have Ryan give you some illustrations uh, from what is currently happening as a result of your contributions Mm to WFR's local missions budget, okay? And I want to challenge you this morning really to get involved by giving. And I hope that you're inspired today to get uncomfortable in your giving, to really live as a radical disciple who's ready to turn the world upside down and transform it for the sake of the gospel. So the first thing that happens in this text that we read from Acts 17 is Paul is confident that Jesus Christ is Lord. You know, confidence really changes people. I was hunting with uh, Jace Robertson once, and this is a confident duck hunter. Okay, And he's a really good guy. And we were hunting, and as a matter of fact, he's such a good duck hunter, I almost couldn't get a shot off before all the ducks that flew in, that he called in, were killed. So it's, we're getting ready to wrap the hunt up, and here comes this one little straggler duck. And I thought, man, this poor thing, you know, is at the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> and Jace fires a few shots and missed all three times. And this duck just kind of does a U-turn and flies away, and Jace looks at me and said, Trent, I want you to know that this morning you are witnessing a miracle. That is a resurrected duck. (laughs) That's his confidence. That confidence changes things. The Apostle Paul was confident that Jesus Christ was Lord. It changed his life in three ways. First, it changed the course of his life. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, let me give you something really quickly. This is not on screen. Paul says, Five times I received from the Jews forty lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger from false believers. I have labored and toiled and have often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst have often gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Being a radical disciple of Jesus Christ, being confident that Jesus Christ is Lord, changed the course of Paul's life from seeking how much he could gain, listen to me, church, to seeking how much he could give. Changed the course of his life. It changed the Apostle Paul's conduct. The Apostle Paul moved from a life of poverty to a life of... Of wealth. Let me tell you his own description of this transformation. Philippians 3. Circumcised on the eighth day, Paul says, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness, based on the law, faultless. I was rich, he would say. 
By the world standards, I had every uh, accolade, every degree, every symbol of success you could have. But I now consider the gains as loss for the sake of Christ. I consider everything lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. And you might say, Trent, I thought you said he moved from a life of poverty to a life of wealth. But what he's saying there is he's lost everything. And I would say, no, he's lost nothing and has gained everything. The Apostle Paul went from a life of earthly wealth to a life of earthly poverty. But he went from a life of spiritual poverty to a life of spiritual wealth. It was said once, and it's been said multiple times, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. The Apostle Paul's conduct in life changed. It changed the condition of his life. And this is something I really want to challenge you with. Philippians 3.10, just later in that chapter, Paul says, I want to know Christ, and I want to know the power of His resurrection, but I want to participate in His sufferings, becoming like Him in death. Let me tell you something, church. It is much more radically Christ-like to move from a life of purposeless comfort to a life of purposeful suffering. And in Western Christianity, we are so comfortable. And if there's no purpose in that comfort, we're going to be miserable. So today, my challenge to you is to step out of that comfort zone. Be ready to participate in the sufferings of Christ. And if your suffering is on purpose, your life is going to have meaning. If you're confident in Christ, here's the truth. And i got this on screen for you. You cannot help but give. If you're confident in Christ this morning, you're not going to be able to help but contribute to the mission. If you're confident that Jesus Christ is Lord, you're not going to be able to stop wanting to give, wanting to live a life of sacrifice, wanting to live a life of surrender. But if you aren't confident in Christ, you're going to find that you've got nothing to live and give and you're spiritually bankrupt. And I challenge you to increase your confidence in Christ so today you can give until it hurts. That's all right. When I think of confident in Christ, I think of Larry and Kathy Bowles. So some of you are familiar with their story. Larry, a retired firefighter from Oklahoma, and his wife Kathy, they were so confident in Christ, they knew there was more. And they believed, they had a vision, they set out to evangelize to the people in Athens, Greece. So they, they set out over there thinking they were going to spend some time evangelizing to the, to the Greek people. And what happened was something totally different. God had other plans for him. You see, in 2009, the refugee crisis began, where so many hundreds of thousands of Muslim refugees were fleeing their lands. They were fleeing from violence. They were fleeing from religious oppression, fleeing from places like the Middle East, fleeing from places like North Africa. They were crossing, at their own peril, the Mediterranean Sea and flooding the streets of Athens. And so here's Larry and Kathy Bowles in the streets of Athens realizing that they weren't going to be evangelizing to the Greek people. They were going to be discipling Muslim refugees. You see, Athens has turned into an Ellis Island of sorts. So if you know Ellis Island, Ellis Island it was open for about 60 years. 
millions and millions of people went through Ellis Island, some of your ancestors. And really, Ellis Island was a gateway to what this nation has become now. In fact, as they passed through, many of them were given a new name. Well, Athens is becoming that same thing. Millions of, of Muslim refugees are fleeing oppression. They're fleeing violence. You know what they're seeking? The same thing that people were, that were going to Ellis Island were. Freedom. And there's only one freedom that we all know, and that's through Jesus Christ. Amen? And so, when they, as these people flood the streets, they're meeting Larry and Kathy Bowles. And Larry and Kathy are meeting them first with, with immediate needs. Shelter, clothing, food, water. But they're also meeting them with love. Something that they've never really seen before. Based on oppression, strict discipline, and in some cases, hate. And now all of a sudden, they're learning who the God of love is. Our, religious, our religion is not just built on love. Our God is love. And so they're, they're seeing this man, Jesus, and they're falling in love with him. And Larry and Kathy Bowles have set out to not only teach them about Jesus, but disciple them so they can become disciple makers. And one of the most exciting things that we can think of in our vision is that these Muslim refugees are going to be flooding into Europe, much like immigrants did flooding into the United States. And they're going to be flooding in with a new name, son and daughter of the king. That's confidence in Christ. That's how they're going to make disciples. And, and all of Europe is going to be discipled by Muslim refugees. Not only was the Apostle Paul connect, confident in the Lord Jesus Christ, the Apostle Paul was connected to his community. Um, that's the side connection. Mm -hmm. I want to tell you something, church family. The Bible says in Acts 17, I want to read this to you, verse 2, and Paul went in, he went into the synagogue, and then there's this really important phrase, as was his custom. Mm -hmm. So can I just say that this was a man who was dedicated to service? Yeah. And Paul wasn't the first person whose custom was to go fellowship with God's people. I want to give you Luke chapter 4, verse 16. The Bible says this about Jesus, that he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day, Jesus went to the synagogue, here's that phrase again, as was his custom. Now, I promise you two things about these guys, Jesus and Paul. They were not going to church because they wanted to hear a sermon better than any sermon they'd ever heard preached before. <laughs> they weren't going to church because they wanted to hear some worshipful singing that was better than they could have ever imagined. They didn't go to church because they, they wanted people to serve them. They went to church so that they could serve. Mark 10.45, 10, the Bible says this, The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give His life as a ransom for many. Why did Paul go to the synagogue? He went to the synagogue because he wanted to convert people. He wanted, to, he wanted to help people. He wanted to minister to people. He wanted to encourage people. He didn't go so they could serve Him. He went so He could serve them. And one way the enemy has infected Western Christianity is through a consumer mentality in churches. I, I appreciated what, what Grant said 
It is so easy to ask, not what I can do for my church or for my Lord, but what my church and my Lord can do for me. That's not the example of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's not the example of the Apostle Paul. And it's not the call God has placed on your life this morning. He says, get to a place where you can serve, not where you want to be served. Get to a place where you can give, not to a place where you need to be given to. And what does this look like in the life of the Apostle Paul? Man, what level was his dedication as far as service is concerned? This is a man who lived in total surrender. I want to give you a scripture here, Acts 14, 19 through 20. I'm not going to have it on screen, and you don't necessarily have to turn there, but I do want you to write it down. What is, what is a person who is so much, who is so radically committed to Christ that he just can't help but serve? What does that look like? Paul was in uh, uh, Iconium, and some Jews came over from Antioch and won the crowd over. They stoned Paul. They drag him outside of a city thinking that he's dead. Absolutely, Paul's in critical condition. He's incapacitated. These guys drag him out of the city. He's been stoned. They think he's dead. Some disciples gather around him. They're praying. They're, they're crying. They're worried. What's going to happen? Paul's dead. He's been, he's been stoned. And Paul gets up to his feet. Acts 14. And he goes back to the same city he was stoned in. Now, something I was thinking about this is that it was other religious people who hurt Paul. It was probably some of the same people he went to school with that stoned him. It was some of the same people he studied with, he had worshipped with, he had known for a long time that came and stirred up this crowd that stoned him. And friendly fire hurts the worst, doesn't it? And if there's one reason why we go to church and we want somebody to serve us, it's because the pain we've experienced at the hands of other people who call themselves religious. Which is why it is so critical to be connected and competent in Christ Mm -hmm. before we really get connected to community. Getting connected to community ain't always pretty, church family. And if you're living as a radical disciple of Jesus Christ, it should challenge the people around you. And that may mean you don't always win the popular vote. That may mean there are some times in your walk where it feels like everybody's against you. Everybody's speaking badly about you. Nobody understands you. You can't get a word in edgewise. If only people would see, if only, if only they would understand. And I promise you God can see your effort. And if you'll stay committed as a radical disciple seeking not to be given something but to give. And you'll keep giving and you'll keep ministering. What you'll find is that the blessing of God and God's purpose manifests itself in your life. And you too can change the world. Mm -hmm. That's what the way of the cross is. I've got this on the screen for you. The way of the cross, man, is to give. It's to give, it's to give, it's to give, it's to give. Mm -hmm. It's not to be given something. Many of you guys know Isaac Day. Isaac is one of my favorite people in the world. He's actually my second favorite Isaac. My first favorite Isaac is a little seven-year-old. Barovia, Liberia. And Isaac... Years ago, about 20 years ago, Liberia was in the midst of a civil war. And for the safety of his family, Isaac took his family and uprooted and and, and fleed to Ghana, where he was essentially a refugee. 
There he met another brother of ours, Dr. Sam Twomasiankra, who, who mentored him, who discipled him, who taught him, and then who sent him out. And so Isaac and his family moved to the Gambia, where they started preaching for us on the radio and, 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 and teaching other people in that nation. But there was still a call. There was still a draw for him. And very much like Paul did, Isaac went back into Liberia through, to a war-torn country where many had, had lost hope, where, if you, where still today, if you would walk the streets of Monrovia, you could see that the roads are damaged. There's no power in certain places. The, the buildings are torn apart. You can see that there, there's been a civil war there. But Isaac went back in. He started preaching the gospel there. He started, he, he started a world radio ministry in Monrovia. He then began a vision that he set out to, uh, to accomplish in starting a preaching school. And it wasn't just a preaching school. He started what's, called, what's now called the Restoration Bible and Agriculture Institute, where they teach young men not only how to preach the gospel, but how to farm their land. So that when they graduate, they go back into their, to their respective tribes they go back to their families, they go back to their communities, and they plant a church. And they don't only plant churches, they plant crops. This effort's going to sustain them. One of, the, one of our goals in Liberia, this may sound counterintuitive, but one of our goals in Liberia is not to be in Liberia, as far as our support goes. Because we want, when, you, when you understand that God can bring you from poverty to prosperity, that's a revelation that God teaches us all. And that's another, again, an understanding of who you are in the kingdom. God reveals himself through the land around you even, through his creation. Amen. And so Isaac continued to preach the gospel. He started this school. These are some of the graduates of the first graduating class back in December uh, who are now out in their back. They went back to their tribes from 12 different tribes and are preaching the gospel and farming their land. Not only that, Isaac was uh, offered at the radio station that he uh, was speaking at, Magic FM. The owner decided it was time for him to get out of business and he wanted to sell the station. He got several offers that were good, but he said, you know what? I can see the impact that you're making, Isaac Day, and I want to give you first rights of refusal. And in fact, offered him a very, very good deal. And through your support, we were able to purchase the station. So Magic FM is now Restoration Radio in Liberia. How Praise cool is that? Awesome, awesome stuff. Not only that, I could go on. I could go on and, and, uh, in the interest of, of keeping uh, brevity, because I, I know my friend Trent here can go along. I could go on about Isaac and the work that's been going on over there, but what's happening in Liberia is he's changing a nation. Amen. See, Darrell Miller once said, if the church doesn't disciple the nation, the nation will disciple the church. Well, Isaac and his vision and his team, they're not going to let that stand. That's not going to fly in Liberia. They're changing the nation one person at a time. And if you think that you can't make a difference from sitting right here, you're changing the world through your support with what, what's going on in Liberia. Because Isaac has, was given, uh, he has a fire in his belly. And much like Trent preached a couple weeks ago about how that fire, it's like you can't stop. You just can't hold it within you. That's how Isaac is. And he wants to give and give and give. That's why he went back into Liberia to change his nation. The cross is there so that we can give. In, in Acts chapter 17 and verse 5, some Jews become jealous of the ministry of Paul and of Jason and the others. And they take some wicked men of the rabble, they form a mob, they set the city in an uproar, and they attack the house of Jason 
seeking to bring them out to the crowd. First, you've got to be confident in Christ. That's the up connection. You've got to be connected to community. That's the side connection. But you've got to be courageous in the point of conflict, which is the down connection. And this makes me think of getting down and dirty for the Lord Jesus Christ. Sometimes the lifestyle of a radical disciple doesn't always look fresh and clean. It looks down and dirty, dealing with the junk and the tragedies and the trials of life. And our discipleship should involve a level of discomfort. Jesus says in Matthew 10, 16, I'm sending you out like sheep among wolves. That's not a comfortable situation if you're a sheep, even if you're a really big, strong one like me. That wasn't a joke, church. <laughs> what kind of conflict is involved here? Some of it should be the internal conflict of my spirit wrestling against my flesh. And that should feel downright nasty sometimes. Because our flesh wants relief and comfort, and our spirit is pushing us towards surrender and sacrifice. And we're going to, in a moment, give you the opportunity to contribute to our missions department at WFR Church. And there ought to be a little war going on inside you. Your flesh saying, the church is going to be fine. The gospel will be preached. You don't have to give. There's no reason to make yourself uncomfortable. And the spirit inside you going, hey, it's time for a little surrender. It's time for a little sacrifice. It's time to get down and dirty for the message of the good news of the Lord Jesus Christ. There should also be some external conflict. We ought to take it upon ourselves to go to places and to connect with people where the testimony of the Lord Jesus Christ is going to be met maybe with outrage. Maybe with discomfort. Maybe with ridicule. So often we're not invested in the game until we really step onto the field. When was the last time we really felt uncomfortable Because of the faith we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. When was the last time you were in a situation where your proclamation of Jesus Christ as King and Lord cost you a little bit of conflict? If it's been a while, then it's been too long. Some of us, though, simply can't get to the front lines. This is is a point I wanted to make. We We just can't, either because of health or career, or time commitments, or family. Some of us can't get to the front lines of the conflict. And if that's true, this morning you're going to have an opportunity to contribute to and support missionaries who can. And I'll tell you about a couple of those missionaries. The first is Esteban Valle Garcia. Uh, Esteban is one of my favorite, favorite people. He's, he's definitely, uh, he, he's our uh, One Kingdom ambassador to Latin America. And he's definitely our world radio speaker with the best style. I mean, look at that right there. I mean, that's a, that's a beautiful man. I, I love that shirt. We actually were filming something with him, and, and, uh, and he's got this cat shirt on, and we're just like, ah, Stephen, I don't know if that's going to play. He's like, no, no, trust me. This is, this is the look. This is the look. So, hey, man, we trust you. <laughs> we trust you. I love him so much. But I, as much as I love Stephen, I know that he's hurting right now. He's hurting. If you know... Uh, about what's going on in Nicaragua, his home country, uh, there's a revolution happening. Uh, the government is, is uh, really in, in, in acting as, as tyrannical as possible, and, and there's an uprising, a revolution, if you will. And right now the church 
is torn. They're saying, well, we see all this injustice. We need to fight against it. And Esteban and his father, Leonel, are preaching patience, are preaching peace, are preaching hope, are preaching Jesus. And so that's, uh, it's a tough situation. We can't even get into Nicaragua at the moment. But what we can do is pray for him. We can send him love. A lot of you are friends with him on Facebook. He's very active in social media. Send him a note. Send him, send him a message. Send him some love. This is our, our brother, Asi Darla, who lives in India. And him, he, along with his brother Sanjay, are changing that nation as well. Uh, Asi is one of the, the wisest men I know as far as biblical knowledge and just preaching the word and preaching love. Uh, one of their main missions is to teach other leaders. So they bring in other leaders from around the communities. And if you know the, that, that region, it's a very animistic culture and, 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 and there are a lot of gods that they worship. So the Christians aren't, there are very few of them. So encouraging each other and teaching each other how to preach the word is so important. But one of the things that Aussie has done that, that, that just has inspired us so much is he's reaching out into his, his neighboring country, Nepal. And a few years ago in Nepal, you may remember there was a, there was a, a devastating earthquake uh, that just ravaged the land. And Nepal is another one of those uh, Buddhist countries that, that are just not friendly to Christians. You really can't get, even get in the country. Uh, we have issues getting in. Uh, but you know who doesn't have issues is Aussie. And Aussie, through his radio work into Nepal, has actually made connections. And through this work, this relief work in the earthquake, he's even made even more connections. They saw, they saw his love. And isn't that who we're supposed to be? They will know that we are Christians by our what? That's what Aussie's doing. So Aussie and his son Sanjay, they've gone into Nepal to, 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 to help these hurting families. And in fact, we're starting an orphanage that we hope that will open up next year uh, that will take care of the children and families who are affected by this loss. But they couldn't have gotten in without the gospel. And that's what changes hearts. So I want you to know that even your support, even though there are countries like Nepal and Nicaragua that we can't get into, and I'll even talk about North Korea. You know that from this church right here, there is a radio program preaching the gospel into North Korea. Praise the Lord. That's because of your support. So even if you can't get into those kind of countries, Jesus can. World changers literally turn the world upside down. What was the charge against Paul and Jason and the others? The Jews shouted, these men who have turned the world upside down have come here also, and Jason's received him, and they're all acting against, against the decrees of Caesar, saying that there is another king, mm -hmm. King Jesus. Right. And contrary to the rule of Caesar, this is not a king who rules with authority. He rules through service. This is not a king who forces people to follow under pain of imprisonment. He offers people freedom as they choose to follow him to get people under his leadership. This is a king who heals the pain of those who have been lied to, who have been cheated, and who have been stolen from. This is not a king who has to do his deeds in dark. This is a king who does his deeds in light. This is not a king who asks what you can do for him. It's a king who asks 
What can I do for you? This is not a king who judged people based on their nationality, which means who their parents were, or judges people based on their past, which means what their faults are. This is a king who looks at somebody and says, you are not who your past says you are. Mm -hmm. You are who I say you are, who judges people based on their future, where they can go, not their past, where they have been. This king's name is Jesus He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. And if we make Jesus King and Lord of our life by putting our faith in the message of the gospel, that He came and lived a sinless life, that He was crucified for our past so we could live a blessed future, that He was buried and for three days conquered death, hell, and the grave, and that He rose again so that one day He can come back and claim His church as His own, and resurrect those who have fallen asleep, and glorify those who are still alive. This is the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And this message changes lives. This message changes the world. Mm -hmm. You want to turn the world upside down? Live a gospel-centered life, Mm -hmm. which really turns an upside-down world. Right side up. That's right. Isn't that, our, isn't that our story? Those of us who are in Christ Jesus, what we, what we realized is that our world really was upside down. Hmm. And that through the gospel story, Jesus turned an upside down, messed up world right side up. Yes, that's right. I want to say something to you, church. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a challenge. Mike, Mike challenged our church to increase our giving this Sunday five times. Give five times what we normally give. I was going to have Kirsten bring our check up, but I don't know if she has it back there written yet. Um, we are giving five times what we normally give in my home. We've prayed about it. Um, we've challenged each other on it. And for us, we have three kids under age 10, and I can eat as much as all of my three kids <laughs> and my wife combined. But, but I feel a lot of the same pressures financially you guys do. Kirsten... Uh, decided to work. Uh, she, she had to start working, really, uh, because financially we were, we were in that place. Um, raising a young family costs a lot. Sometimes people will ask what I do in life, and I say, I professionally get rid of money. That's what I, that's what I do. <laughs> I have some uh, side hustles that support the primary hustle but you need some money getting rid of, I promise you, I can do it just like that. I'm getting really good at that. Uh, and, and it is going to be a sacrifice for Kirsten and I to give. But for us, it's worth allowing the gospel to turn a world that really is upside down already, right side up. And as your preacher and minister this morning, I wanted you to know that because I really feel like that should start with me. And I wanted you to know I'm up here trying hard to live what I am preaching and teaching you this morning. Larry and Katie Bowles, uh, Larry Bowles and Kathy, Kathy yeah. and Isaac Day and Esteban and Ossie, all of those guys depend on us. Mm-hmm. And I want to I contribute to what God has called them and us to do. Man, I want to challenge you. Don't walk out of here with a with a being given to mindset. I want you to walk out of here having sacrificed something today. Um, I'll tell you another quick story while they're getting ready to pass the plates. Uh, Kirsten and I bought some stock in Apple, the company. 
And I, I, I knew, knew of Apple and cared about Apple a little bit. Uh, but when we bought stock in Apple about five years ago, I promise you, the second we put our money in that company, we, we are Apple fanatics. <laughs> and every time I'm talking to somebody, I'm like, man, you need to get your new phone. You know, that computer's looking a little bit old. Why? Because when I put my money in something, all of a sudden I'm invested in it. That's right. Not because the company's perfect, not because uh, of everything they're going to get right. And I, and I promise you, there are going to be things that are tough, that are challenging, but God's calling you to get invested in Him. Yes. And sometimes that's the barrier that's holding us back. The truth is, maybe we're just not really that invested in what God is doing worldwide. And I promise you, if you'll get invested, if you will give till it's uncomfortable, all of a sudden you're going to be really invested in what God is doing. It'll change your life. And I would be doing you a disservice if I didn't challenge you like that this morning. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask God to move on your heart. We're going to pass the offering plates. And then I'm going to have the kids come up after I pray. I want to show you what they've been working on. Give you a nice visual while we're passing the plates. Let's bow together. Mm. Precious Heavenly Father, I come before you, God. And I ask that the charge you placed on my heart to give to this church would carry some weight, God. Not because of me, but because of your spirit. And I ask, God, that we would give over and above five times. I talked to an elder this week who's going to give ten times what he normally gives. Let us just be cheerful and sacrificial in our giving this morning. And I ask that we would get invested in your kingdom and that it would change our lives. God, we love you and we thank you. It's in Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. While the plates are going around, I want to call some kiddos up here onto the stage. Uh, Our children's ministry uh, is a really good way of putting pressure on parents and grandparents and family members to really go over and above the call in terms of their giving. These guys are carrying some globes. And uh, the globes here, are you going to give me five, dude? The globes here are filled with money that you guys have given. I'll hold this. this. This thing is heavy. And this globe here says, be a world changer. And and our children's ministry wants to teach our kids that there isn't an age too young Mm -hmm. to really become a world changer. Kyra, how how heavy? That's about as heavy as you are, girl. How come you had to carry the heaviest heaviest one? There we go. Uh huh. Kyra said she's got my genetics. She can just carry it, no problem. (laughs) So, guys, look, our, our children's ministry has been actively working to contribute to the ministries that are worldwide that start right here with your local contributions. And Ryan did such a great job of showing you all the places that the local contributions you give go across the world. And some we can't even say. There were some world uh, radio and and WFR relief uh, ministers that we can't even name or mention in detail because their, their missions work is in such a volatile region. And I so appreciate their sacrifice. And WFR Church family, I appreciate your sacrifice yes. as well. This, this church, this community, and our worldwide ministry doesn't happen without you guys. And we appreciate it. Let's give these kids a hand. Yeah. I y'all can hop off the stage. Go ahead, guys. It is our missions day. I wanted to challenge you guys to get invested in the kingdom of God, to live with a confidence in Christ connected to the community and courageous despite conflict. 
and serve the one true King, the Lord Jesus Christ. And, and I know uh, that there are needs in the audience today. I know it because I work with you guys week in and week out, and I know the burdens you carry. And I don't want to not give you an opportunity today to respond and be encouraged. So I'm going to close with a prayer. If you have a need in your life, if you need to be baptized into Christ, maybe your confidence is not in Him. Maybe it's in you or in the material world or in popularity or in instant gratification. Wherever it's at, I want to give you the opportunity to place your confidence in Him this morning. Let's bow. Precious Heavenly Father, thank You so much. We glorify and honor and praise You for what we know has been given this morning. God, I ask in the name of Jesus that it was exceedingly abundantly above this church uh, needs to keep our missions programs funded. And I ask if there is a need in anyone's life to be more confident in Christ, more connected to the community, or more courageous despite conflict, God, that those men and women would come forward today and be transformed and renewed. I ask these things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Please stand with me while together we sing.